Welcome! You're listening to the Explore the Roar podcast by the Podcast Club at UCCS, where student voices are elevated. On this episode, you will hear from four members of the Podcast Club. Tune in next time to hear more. Hey, this is Jose, and for today's segment, I will be talking about my experience running a marathon. And so, the distance of a marathon is 26.22 miles, and it was an unofficial event the way I ran it, so it was just me on the trail. There was no host or organization running it, and uh, I ran it in January 2021 in Colorado Springs and uh, the place where I ran it was on the Santa Fe Trail and so I started uh, roughly around 8 a.m. and it was pretty cold outside and throughout the whole marathon you feel a lot of ups and downs you're right off the bat you're feeling a lot of anxiety of like can I even finish this Uh, what am I thinking this was super crazy I I should just stop now and just go back to bed but roughly like a mile in, you're you're set in your pace. You're you have no thoughts of looking back, and you're just like, come on, let's just finish this. We got 25 miles to go. Let's go. So at the halfway, I felt pretty defeated. I was just not hitting my time goals. Uh, I was running slow, and my body was just reacting really bad. My my hamstrings were tight. And my whole body just felt really achy and sick. But uh, you just got to finish it. I just kept pushing myself after every mile. Just one more. And uh, roughly like 99% of the way there. uh, I just had like one mile to go. And I was just like, screw it. I don't care what time I have. I just want to get it over with. Uh, What was I thinking? I shouldn't have done this. I was so unprepared. But as soon as you hit that 26th mile and .22, you're just like, wow, I just ran a whole marathon. And I ran it in five hours, which is a lot of time for running constantly. But I felt just so happy and relieved that all the those months – I spent training, finally came to this moment, and now we can take a huge break of not running ever again. And so, um, yeah, it just felt really awesome to run a whole marathon. And so if you could gain anything for this segment, I would hope you just set out a goal and try to accomplishment. Even if it takes a year or a couple months, it's just accomplishing your personal goals that you've always wanted to do in life. And so that's my time, and I hope you have a good day. Hello, humans. I am Katie Turner, and this is Film Quest, the one podcast that talks about theories, the things that make up our films, and how they impact us, and the basic things that go unnoticed in our basic media form of film. Um, for me today, 
I would like to talk about a special thing that is dear to my heart, and that is an Easter egg called A113. Now, when I introduce myself to you as a friend, officially, this is the one conversation that we have. So this is my official hello, and since I plan on being here with the podcast club, I figured I should say hello and be nice and introduce you as my friend. So, A113, it is an Easter egg mainly popular in the Pixar films from Disney. Now, the origin of this Easter egg is that it comes from the California Institute of Arts, out in California, of course, which was founded by Walt Disney and his brother. Now, Walt Disney, he actually valued education, and so he did what he could uh, to educate his animators as best as possible, since they were uh, lead creators in the animation industry, and they still are, basically. And some of the notable alumni include John... Laster and Tim Burton. Yes, you heard me right. Tim Burton went to the California Institute of Arts. And so, A113 is very special to the alumni because there is one room that they claim contains all the magic. All the magic from all the films comes from that one room, which is A113. And so, to pay tribute to A113, they literally hide it in every single Pixar film. And they find it in some other films to show that, hey, someone that went to the California Institute worked on this film specifically. And so... Is mainly in Pixar films, and so the best places that I have found uh, to find this little Easter egg are on driver's license plates, in cars, and on vehicles of any kind. Uh, but you can also find the Easter egg um, in buildings, of course, that would need. Uh, that kind of numbering system, aka Monsters University, wink wink hint hint, totally didn't give it away. Also, a very obvious and easy place to start this easter egg film quest journey would be the first Toy Story movie, where it shows up multiple times. Once you find it, you'll see it, and you'll see it multiple times, which is very rare to see in more of the um, current movies, where you only get to see it once, and sometimes you will see it out of the corner of your eye, or it'll be distorted to the point where you might not even recognize it, like in Soul. And... They have gotten so creative with 
hiding this easter egg and so it really is a film quest to find this little number basically and so there if you do want to kind of cheat the system a bit you can go and look up a113 and there are multiple um websites that show you exactly where it is hidden and the history behind it as well and so but i encourage you all to go watch the movies yourselves and find it yourself because it is so much fun i have been doing this personally for years like almost a decade at this point and it has it's been a joy it's really been a real joy watching these films uh for me at least and so i once again i encourage you to find it yourself now that you know this hidden knowledge and so once again um this is my official welcome and hand of friendship so hello friends this is once again katie turner uh the with the podcast club at uccs and that was your film quest of the day have a good day talking about UFOs. More specifically, kind of my background and what made me super interested in learning about UFOs to begin with. And then kind of going into more detail about the recent preliminary assessment of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Report. It's only been released. And kind of what's super weird about that, just, I don't know. I feel like it's something that's interesting that not too many people are talking about, so... Yeah. Anyways, so, to start off, uh, I am uh, studying, well, I'm majoring in mechanical engineering, and I'm minoring in aerospace engineering, and my long-term goals are to hopefully one day work on spacecraft like myself. To me, that would just be the coolest thing. Uh, I definitely have a passion for space and space exploration, so I've always just kind of been interested just from that aspect. And I remember from a really, really, really young age starting to become super interested in UFOs. And I was mainly sparked by my uncle. He was always this great storyteller. And I remember him telling me these stories of these kids of three different UFO encounters that he claims to have had. And I remember being super little and not really realizing that UFO doesn't necessarily mean alien. Uh, so I remember instantly thinking, oh, aliens came, and they saw saw my Uncle Rick, and did this and that, and uh, I remember just getting so excited about it, and I got onto YouTube, and I saw a ton of kind of crazy conspiracy theory videos, and went on to Google, and looked up stories and everything, and tried to see what kind of 
verified my uncle's stories because my uncle said for, well, he claimed to have had three separate UFO sightings, and for each one, he always told me it was a long, kind of bright, cigar-shaped thing in the sky. Well, maybe not long, but, like, cigar-shaped, um, in the sky, and that always stuck with me, because I remember looking up everything and seeing if it wasn't cigar shapes, then it wasn't actually a UFO, because that's what my Uncle Rick saw, and he would never lie to me. But as I got older, I realized Uncle Rick exaggerated for a ton of his stories. He just wanted to tell stories for kids, and, uh, and I realized that a ton of those uh, YouTube videos were probably fake. <laughs> Five nine times out of ten, they probably like were fake, and then the other one time, they were just speculation and saw something and didn't know what it was when it could have been drones or anything. But I remember being super excited about it all. And as I got older, I just kind of gave up on everything. Uh, but then, upon kind of looking at the news, I saw that there was actually a report being released: the unidentified aerial phenomena. And that was really cool because it kind of showed footage. His encounters happened in Idaho, which is one of the states with the most UFO sightings in the U.S. And he was also part of the Marines for a little bit there. I don't know if he was in Idaho for that or not, but for one of his sightings, I remember him talking about how he was going camping there and was woken up in the middle of the night by this crazy thing. And so um, kind of learning that Idaho actually has a ton of UFO sightings and that the government actually has this footage of unidentified flying objects. And right now they're trying to figure out what it is, but they can't because, you know, aliens, no one's confirming nor denying that it's aliens. Uh, but it can a lot of speculation that it could be competing technologies from countries like China or Russia. So that's an interesting one, but um, I think the biggest thing, like the biggest counter argument to that is that, you know, why would they, if they have such incredibly advanced technologies, why would they be flying them above their competitors right now, you know? Uh, unless if it's maybe for spycraft or something, but. Yeah, so that's a pretty big theory out there. Uh, the more obvious one that I think most people think of when they think of UFOs is aliens, but there's been no evidence being released to confirm or deny that. So, yeah, that's been interesting. But I can ramble on about aliens for centuries. So, yeah, it was just fun talking about it. I don't really know what to believe at this point or what to think about any of this or if Uncle Rick was telling the truth or not. It has been kind of cool seeing that a lot of the footage looks similar to stories. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, it's fun. I think that aliens are super cool. UFO stuff is super cool. Kind of looking into different possible sources for this stuff learning about this stuff, I think it's just something that's interesting, and I don't know, I kind of bring it up with family and friends, and they don't, they always just kind of roll their eyes, and like, okay, Alexa, whatever, but, you know, having a podcast, it makes it a lot easier to ramble on about aliens, so, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that, but,
I hope you all are having a good day. Peace out. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Cool Ghoul segment here in the Explore the Roar podcast. I'm your host, Danica, and I will be feeding all your spooky needs in this podcast segment by providing you with intriguing paranormal encounters, creepypastas, and urban legends. As an introduction, I thought it was only fitting to share my first experience with a ghost. I have always been susceptible to ghostly matters since I was a child. I've had a few experiences, but the first is one that I hold fondly in my heart. Thankfully, all my experiences with seeing actual apparitions have been positive. So let me set the scene. I was seven, and we had just moved into a new house. The house was located across the street from a large farm that sat just behind the town cemetery. The only thing separating my front lawn and the cemetery was a field of corn. Talk about creepy. It was winter and freezing outside, and I could not sleep for the life of me. I had lots of sleeping problems as a child, and whenever I woke up, I would just go get my mom to lay down with me. It was a nightly occurrence, so I wasn't shocked when I woke up this specific night. Only this time, I remember being hesitant to get up and walk into my parents' room. Now, I want to clarify that I wasn't afraid. It was more so like a feeling of inevitability. I knew that there was something waiting for me in my parents' room that usually wasn't there. At least not visibly. I knew that I had to wake up my mom. Otherwise, I would never be able to get to sleep. So, I got up and braced myself to walk to my parents' room and open the door. My eyes immediately shot to where the far wall met the sliding glass door that was located in their bedroom. There stood a girl. She wasn't a stranger, that I knew for sure. She looked too familiar. Not quite like me, but not quite like my sister Alex either. She wore a blue-white dress, and her blackish-brown curly hair flowed over her shoulders. Her fair skin was not pale, but a glowing feature to her presence. I remember being worried when I saw that she did not have legs. She literally looked like one of those strange angel Christmas toppers with the puffy dresses with nothing underneath, so that way they can fit upon the tree. She didn't look at me. She was looking at my dad, who lay snoring in bed. I asked myself, why is she looking at dad like that? And as if she heard my thoughts, she answered my question. I'm protecting him. Then, she turned to me. Okay, so now let's rewind. Before my mom had Alex and I, she was pregnant with another daughter, my older sister Gabby. She unfortunately passed away, so Alex and I never got to meet her. I was born just a year later, and my younger sister followed the next. Alright, back to the story. When our eyes locked, I knew that I was looking at my older sister. She smiled. I think she knew about the realization that I just had. I just nodded and reached my hand down to wake my mom up. My mom gets up and goes to the bathroom. So I follow, with my head down, not wanting to look at the girl in the corner anymore. I wait in the bathroom with my mom, and I wonder if she saw what I saw. But she says nothing. So I say nothing. My mom walks in front of me, back through her bedroom, and then to mine. I don't dare look back to the corner, but I know she's looking at me. 
I lay back down in bed, this time with my mom by my side, and I slept through the night with no hiccups, which was unusual. What I didn't know was that night would trigger more events and encounters just like this one. All right, so what'd you think? Thank you for listening to the very first episode of my segment, Cool Ghoul, here in the Explore the Roar podcast. Once again, I'm Danica, and I'll catch you Bloody Marys and Slendermans next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to episode one of summer 2021 season of the Explore the Roar podcast by the Podcast Club at UCCS, where student voices are elevated. And the composers are Kitty Robinson and Emiliana Gomez. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at UCCS Podcast Club. Catch you next time.